Hello and welcome to Everlasting Fruit. I'm your host, Bella. So nice to have you back. I hope you had a wonderful week. Well, this week, I actually wanted to discuss something that I had I studied a while back and it came back to me and I've been thinking about it a lot. And it is in the realm of the reasons why we serve God. Like, why do you serve God? You know, some of us, it's because we've been encountered by God in a in a supernatural way. Or, you know, some of us, it's because maybe someone ministered to us or witnessed to us, evangelized to us, and we came to know the Lord or you know, someone gave a very good defense of the Christian faith. And, you know, we believed that, you know, Christ is the son of God and we came to the faith. But regardless of what it is, I believe that the reasons why we serve God is because we are convinced that he is God. We are convinced that he is true. We are convinced that he loved us that much, that he sent his one and only son to come and die for us and take on the sin of this world upon himself to set us free and to reconcile us to him. And then on the third day, he rose from the dead, which he made a spectacle of everything that the devil had planned and thought he had overcome Christ. But God, through Christ, made a spectacle of the devil because Jesus rose on the third day and he is our Lord and Savior and we have salvation through him. However, I went through, you know, I was reading the Old Testament and that is in Second Chronicles chapter 24. There is an interesting story that really struck me and I do see this happen to a lot of us Christians, or at least in the Christian communities, not just in the Christian communities, I think everywhere else, some of us have reasons why we do certain things. And in this particular topic, I am going to keep it based on the reason why we serve God, the reason why we believe in God, the reason why we worship God. And for this particular individual, and I'm talking about King Joash, uh, if you're not familiar with King Joash, of course, it's in Second Chronicles 24. It does start in 23 or 22. His life pretty much starts in 20, uh, 22 because he was, he's pretty much like a great grandkid of Jezebel. So <laughs> the story is that Jezebel's daughter or grandchild she kind of like, you know, made a coup and wanted to take over and reigned. She pretty much achieved it. And in doing that, when her son died, she decided she's going to be uh, a queen by herself. And so because she was greedy for, you know, um, the throne, she decided to kill all her, you know, grandchildren. And Joash was one of them, but he was saved and then hidden by this priest named Jehoiada. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, Jehoiada. He was hidden by them. And then eventually the, he was hidden for about, I think what, six years or so. And eventually the priest ended up declaring him king. 
So we're just going to read to get some context on how it starts out. And the Bible makes it really clear on his stance. So let's hear it. Second Chronicles 24 verses 1, and I'll let you know when I stop. So he says, Joash was seven years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibia of Beersheba. And Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada, the priests. Very interesting that they added that. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada, the priest. So it was marked that as soon as Jehoiada died, then Joash would have changed his mind. And we do see that. So let's look at some of the things that Joash did um, while Jehoiada was alive. After this, this is in verse four, after this, Joash decided to restore the house of the Lord. And he gathered the priests and the Levites and said to them, go out to the cities of Judah and gather from all Israel money to repair the house of your God from year to year and see that you act quickly. And then in verse eight, it says, so the king commanded and they made a chest and set it outside the gate of the house of the Lord. And proclamation was made throughout Judah and Jerusalem to bring in for the Lord the, ta- the tax that Moses, the servant of God, laid on Israel in the wilderness. And all the princes and all the people rejoiced and brought their tax and dropped it in the chest until they had finished. And whenever the chest was brought to the king's offices by the Levites, when they saw that there was much money in it, the king's secretary and the officer officer of the chief priest would come and empty the chest and take it and return it to its place. Thus they did day after day and collected money in abundance. And the king and Jehoiada gave it to those who had charge of the work of the house of the Lord. And they hired masons and carpenters to restore the house of the Lord and also workers in iron and bronze to repair the house of the Lord. So those who were engaged in the work labored and the repairing went forward in their hands and they restored the house of the Lord to its proper condition and strengthened it. And they, and when they had finished, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehoiada. And with it were made utensils for the house of the Lord, both for the service and for the burnt offerings and dishes for the incense and vessels of gold and silver. And then it says, and they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord regularly all the days of Jehoiada. So the king had somebody who was pretty much in his life who maybe encouraged him to remain in the Lord or maybe made sure that he stayed in the course of the Lord because they did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada's life. In verse 15, it says, but Jehoiada grew old and full of days and died. He was 130 years old at his death and they buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good in Israel and toward God and his house. So he was greatly honored in his death because uh, where they buried the kings was strictly reserved for the kings and he was a priest. So they put him in, you know, the tombs where they buried the kings. So that was such a great honor because he did marvelous things for, you know, the house of the Lord. He ensured that, 
you know, the things of the Lord were obeyed and were followed. And then we see in 17. Now, after the death of Jehoiada, the princes of Judah came and paid homage to the king. Then the king listened to them and they abandoned the house of the Lord, the God of their fathers, and served the Asherim and the idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for the guilt of theirs. 19. Yet he sent prophets among them to bring them back to the Lord. These testified against them, but they would not pay attention. You see, (laughs) King Joash did what was right. He did what was pleasing as long as Jehoiada, the priest, was alive. But once Jehoiada was dead, the leaders of Judah persuaded King Joash to listen to them instead. So, you know, when we believe in something, we must be totally convinced. Don't, you know, follow Christ because your parents are Christian. Don't, you know, don't do things, you know, in the name of the Lord because, um, you know, you've been practicing them forever. You have to be convinced that God is true. You have to have that personal relationship. And I love that we always refer to it as a personal relationship because it really is personal. No one else is going to stand before God to, you know, give an account of what they did for your sake. No. Everyone is going to give an account for what they did in their lives before the Lord. So you have to be convinced, not because of what somebody is forcing you to do or making sure that you're doing. You have to be convinced. It is very important to have your own relationship with your Lord. If you do the things you do because someone pushes you to, when they stop pushing you or when they stop encouraging you, You will go back to doing evil. You will go back to your old ways. If you're with someone, and I know that, you know, a lot of times it does help to have, you know, an accountability partner. Like if you want to pray more, you know, you join yourself with, you know, more prayerful friends. And so you're like, okay, as long as, you know, um, you know, my friends will keep me accountable so that, you know, I remain prayerful. But what happens when your friends become busy, when your friends get married and they have children and they have a lot of responsibilities, the work is calling them one way or the other, and they cannot be as diligent as they were in ensuring that you're praying? Can you keep up that habit? Can you keep up that relationship with the Lord? If you're looking for someone to call you and remind you, hey, have you read the Bible? If you have, you know, a reminder on your phone, one day, if your phone goes off, are you going to remember to read your Bible? Because someone can't seek God for you. Someone can intercede for you and stand in the gap for you and pray for you, but they cannot save you. Jesus alone is your savior. God alone is your God. They can't worship God for you. And there is a difference between interceding and actually doing the Christian life for someone because you can't. Everyone has to come to that saving grace, to that conviction, to that knowledge of who God is on their own. Because the moment that becomes shaky, we know very well That if you don't have a foundation that you know yourself, you've been convinced, then anything, any trials, any temptation, any tribulation, any fun thing that comes will move your eyes away from the Lord and move you away. 
Because we see here that King Joash had no stand on anything. He went along with what Jehoiada did because he was technically indebted to him for ensuring his safety when he was young, when his, when his own grandmother was trying to kill him. And that's why when Jehoiada was dead, Joash leaned on another type of advisor. He did not stand for something. So he fell for the next thing that was offered to him. And that is the danger that we face in Christianity. That is a danger that we face in our relationship with the Lord because we don't read our word. We don't have time where we pray on our own. So whenever somebody comes in with some sparkling or easier doctrine, we're like, oh, that sounds more true. And so we fall for it. Or whenever something fun in the world is happening and they convince us that, If God loves you, he cannot do this. If God is love, they cannot be suffering in the world. So therefore, God is not true. Have you checked your heart when no one is with you? Have you seen how wicked you totally are when you're alone? How can there not be suffering in this world? Anyway, let's get back to King Joash. So we see here again, When Jehoiada died and he turned away, obviously calamity striked them. And we see how Joash just went down the hole. So God obviously, um, you know, sent the son of Jehoiada, whose name was Zechariah. Then the spirit of God clothed Zechariah. This is in 2 Chronicles 24, verses 20. Then the spirit of God clothed Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, and he stood above the people and said to them, Thus says God, why do you break the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord. He has forsaken you. But they conspired against him, and by command of the king, they stoned him with stones in the court of the house of the Lord. Thus, Joash the king did not remember the kindness that Jehoiada, Zechariah's father, had shown him, but killed his son. And when he was dying, this is Zechariah, he said, May the Lord see and avenge. And I'm telling you, the Lord does see. And he does avenge. You know, the Bible says, vengeance is mine. So whenever people are doing wicked things to you, don't be so quick to revenge or, you know, return evil for evil. Just bless them, pray for them, and let the Lord do his thing because he does do it. It may not be in the time that you want or the speed that you want, but he does do it. And you may look weak and you may look, you know, like someone who can be taken advantage of, like someone who can be talked down to, but trust and believe that the Lord does come through and he does repay. And let's see what happened to Joah Ash. 
At the end of the year, the army of the Syrians came up against Joash. They came to Judah and Jerusalem and destroyed all the princes of the people from among the people and sent all their spoil to the king of Damascus. So calamity strike and he was, you know, other nations came against him and obviously they attacked him. In 25, it says, when they had departed from him, leaving him severely wounded, this is, you know, the Syrians had come against him and so they left him severely wounded. His servants... His servants conspired against him because of the blood of the son of Jehoiada, the priest, and killed him on his bed. He died and they buried him in the city of David, but they did not bury him in the tombs of the kings. Those who conspired against him were Zabad, the son of Shemeth, the Ammonite, and Jehozabad, the son of Shermath, the Moabite. So we see here that, you know, of course, him being wounded, him being hurt is sort of like a consequence of going into war, of being attacked. But the people that came to attack him did not even kill him. Uh, it was his own people that actually conspired against him and they killed him. And it notes here that they didn't kill him to take over the throne. They didn't kill him because maybe he was brash, he was a bad king. No, they killed him for the purpose of vengeance for the death of Jehoiada's son. And when he died, when Joash died, he was a king. So it was supposed to be automatic that he gets buried in the tombs. But no, he actually was not buried in the tombs of the kings. He was buried somewhere else because he did dishonorably against the Lord. So all the work that was done to restore order in the kingdom, it died with Jehoiada. The idol worshiping returned. No one took heed of the Lord's warnings and instruction for them to return to him. A lot of times we wonder where the disaster is coming from, but we need only look at our own lives. We need to look at our relationship with God. We need to look, are we being obedient? In verse 20, the Lord God asked, why have you disobeyed my commands and are bringing disaster on yourself? You have abandoned him. So, and this is God saying, you have abandoned me, so I will abandon you. So the moral of the story here is that when you come to the Lord, whether someone preached to you, prophesied to you, you know, whether they gave you a word of knowledge that convinced you, whatever it is they did, whether they witnessed, they told you, you know, about Christ in whatever way you came to believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have to be convinced. And then you have to move from being that baby and actually seek the word of God for yourself. You have to move from depending on someone else's prayers, someone else's guidance, and actually look to the Lord on your own so that you will have a relationship with him. So that when you are tempted, you will pray. You will rely on God on your own. In John 15 verses 4, it says, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in Jesus. So for you to bear fruit, you must remain in Jesus. Not in, you know, the person that brought you. Because that person also has their own relationship with God. 
And that person is also going through their own trials. That person has their own personal battles. So remain in God. I mean, it's wonderful that someone witnessed to you. It is wonderful that someone gave an account of the life of Christ and you were convinced. But after you're convinced, it is your responsibility to go into the word and search it and continue to search it so that you can grow in your understanding of who God is. So that you can grow in your understanding of what your purpose is on this earth on why God created you so that you can be convinced daily. Because the thing about us living in this world is that if we don't remain in the word, this world seeks to break down everything that the word builds in us, that the Lord has planted in us. The world wants to completely annihilate everything, all of our faith wants to bring in doubt, wants to bring in fear, wants to bring in all kinds of untruths, (laughs) wants to bring in everything that is false and make it true. That's what the world is doing. We must remain in the word so that we can be utterly convinced and daily so that we may grow and grow. And I always remember this song from Sunday school, read your Bible and pray every day. So you can grow, grow, and grow. That is your food. That's your nutrient. That's your source. So you have to read it so that you can grow. You have to read it because when you're full of it, this is what the word of God is what will come out of you. But when you're full of the world, it is the wisdom of the world that will come out of you. And the wisdom of this world is foolishness before the Lord and it will pass away. But the word of the Lord will stand. Remain rooted in the word of God. Remain in Christ and he will remain in you. Be obedient. Remain obedient. Don't depend on someone else for your faith to remain intact. Don't depend on someone else's faith to grow. Get acquainted with who your creator is and depend on him and him alone. So why are you serving God? Why do you believe what you believe? I hope that as you have listened to this, you may get down to the Lord. And if there is any doubt in you, you may ask him to remove it. And to help your unbelief, to help you so that you can be completely convinced, so that you can be truly and deeply rooted in him, so that out of the outflow of everything that you are, you may profess Christ, you may live for Christ, you may demonstrate the love of Christ. Anyway, this sums up the word for today. I pray that you will not be like King Joash who depended on someone else in order for him to remain in the Lord. Depend on Jesus, depend on God, and only him, only he can sustain your faith because he is your savior. I hope this encouraged you and I hope that this was a blessing as well because it really opened up my mind and 
um, it blessed me because I got to reflect on why it is that I serve God. Why is it, why it is that I do the things that I do to honor the Lord? Because when we do things because of someone else, when trials come, we are much more likely to quit so that we can, you know, get comfortable. We're much more likely to let go of the things that we do for the Lord because the person that was maybe encouraging us or holding us up is no longer there. But when God is all you depend on, and when truly you're doing things for God and you're not looking for the applause of men, you will stay the course. So don't look to others, look to God. Remain in Him and He remains in you. And I'm telling you, when God has called you to something, when God has convinced you, no one, no one can break your faith. Look at Paul, look at Peter. When you're convinced, you are much more willing to go and die for the sake of Christ. And I pray that your faith will be that much. And I pray that you will be utterly convinced that when the world comes to persecute you and tell you to choose between you know, comforts and Christ, you will remain in that discomfort of, you know, worshiping God, of praising God, of standing for Christ, because the things that the world offers, they lead to death. So I hope you're blessed. May God bless you and may he continue to strengthen you and guide you in your walk with him. Reach out to me on Instagram at Everlasting Fruit Podcast. That's one word. Or email me at everlasting.fruit8 at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And if you have time, please leave me a rating and review so that many others can hear the word of God and be encouraged and blessed as well. I look forward to talking to you soon. Until the next time, God bless.